T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. This hour is being brought to you by CarX Hire and Auto online at carx.com. Ray, let's go. Yo, Holmes. Lawrence Holmes. Holmes runs it really well. Noon to two. Holmes doing what Holmes does on Sports Radio 670 The Score. Yo, Holmes. And 670thescore.com. In Odyssey Station. Previously on The Lawrence Holmes Show. I always like when you hear stuff from people. And then I can kind of file it and say, oh, yeah, all right, I'll watch to see if that's the thing that happened. When I went down to Sloan a couple weeks ago, I went specifically to see Seiya Suzuki. And I'm watching his first two at-bats. They were ugly at-bats for him. He strikes out. I talked with some Cubs people while I was there about Suzuki. And what they said is that he wants to be great. He wants to learn. And then I was watching the at-bats for him the rest of spring training. With that in mind, would we see from at-bat to at-bat Suzuki get better and be more disciplined at the plate? And then this weekend, you saw it. You got an opportunity to see that guy take a lot of pitches, to swing mostly at strikes, and you saw him hit the ball. With authority! Make me a bicycle clown! Yeah, I think we're going to have some fun with this, Ray. I think we'll have a little fun with Top 5. We'll do it later on in the show. Base drop! Welcome in. My name is Lawrence Holmes. I'm here with you until 2 o'clock. Russ Dorsey is going to join me at 1. He will join us from 35th and Shields. He's like the national baseball guy now for Bally's. Like, that's crazy. So we will check in with Russ. If we get the chance, we'll share Rick Hahn sound with you. I know that he spoke. And the Cubs are starting a series. You know what's strange, Ray? You know what time the White Sox game first pitch is today? I believe it's uh, just after 3. 3.10, okay? You know what time the Pirates' first pitch is with the Cubs? It's just after 2, about 2.05-ish. Right? 3.12. Oh, yeah, 3. Because we have a 2.35 pregame. Yeah. I feel like the White Sox should have had the 3.12 first pitch on opening day. Like, Doesn't that make sense? I'm now like that is now a request that I will I would like to make for the White Sox going forward. 
if you again start at home and you're you're married to a post three o'clock start, instead of it being three ten, just always make it three twelve. Look every opening day, make it three one two. I think it's ironic, don't you think? That the Cubs are playing a game that first pitches at 3 1 2. It's a bad choice by the Pirates. You do anything else, make it 3 11. Good band. Enjoy them. I was listening to some Sublime last night. Life is too short, so love the one you got, because you might get run over or you might get shot. I was blaring that. In the car yesterday, going down 55th Street like an idiot. Love it is what I got. Anyway, we're going to talk a lot of baseball on today's show. I'm going to be goofy like I usually am. If you're on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Chicago 670 the score. And if you are on Twitch and you're watching the show and you're like, what's that cap that Lawrence has on? It's a Chicago American Giants cap. It's opening day. Southside tradition, Chicago American Giants. It's actually like my favorite cap. Like I, I'm now a flat brim guy. I usually wear flat brim caps, but this is one that I I don't mind it not being flat brim, and I can wear kind of old school like. But yeah, if you're on Twitch, Twitch.tv slash Chicago six seven score, I got the Chicago American Giants cap rolling and the XRT shirt. Chicago's finest. Rock, 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 rock. We'll talk a little bit about both teams on today's show. We'll talk Bulls with Cody Westerland. That's at 1240. Back after this on The Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Lawrence Holmes, noon to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score. Why Ray is so good at his job. The lineup for the White Sox and their game today against the Mariners is out. Anderson at short, Robert in center, Abreu at first, Grandal is your DH. Eloy is in left, Sheets is in right, 
Leori is at second. Harrison is at third. And Reese McGuire is going to catch. Vincent Velasquez is going to pitch. Thanks to the Texers who reminded me that Pittsburgh gets it right because it's before 12 local time and 412 is the area code in Pittsburgh. So it actually works out great. You got 412 and people in Chicago, it's 312. You got the Pirates and the Cubs. But I want the White Sox to do this. You were so close. You were two minutes off. You got a 310 first pitch. How could you not make it? You literally sell caps with 312 on them. You could have made first pitch 312. You could have had a bad bitch. You could have. So thanks to the Texas for reminding me of that. If you haven't seen a game in Pittsburgh, by the way, it should be high on your list. You need to go see PNC. And trust me, tickets will be available all season long. And the Andy Warhol Museum is right around the corner from the ballpark. Plus, they have those phenomenal bridges that are right there that are architectural pieces of art. So, you know, I guess the city of Pittsburgh owes me a check now. I'm sending people there. I had a really cool conversation with James Fegan of The Athletic yesterday, and we talked about a bunch of stuff, and he's going to join us once a week now, which is great. But I wanted to share this because you may not have heard it. It was at a different time than, than now. I wanted to share him breaking down the effect of the last three seasons physically on the players and what it's been like to try and get and stay healthy for players so far. Normally you, you submit a plan to the player to take into the off season and they're still able to do that. But the White Sox had like ways for players to check in, log their workouts, show what they're doing all throughout it. And instead you had a three plus month just blackout period uh, where not only you not really know what they're doing or how they're going to show up uh, up until the day that the lockout ended, which is, you know, you had eight, 10 guys in camp, like right after the deal was struck on a Thursday afternoon, but especially not being able to track the throwing of guys. And that's where you had the issues of Dylan Seath had done everything and been extremely active and, you know, trained really well, but hadn't found a, a way to face live hitters the way that you'd want to, or, you know, finding out, that Michael Kopech had gotten COVID in late February and that it kind of shut down his buildup. And that's why you saw him only throwing four innings in his debut here. So I think probably more than even the outage, because I think largely everyone kind of did what they were supposed to. I don't think they had a big example of someone showing up to camp out of shape is more about, you know, arranging, you know, the buildup of, of facing hitters on their own that they struggled with. I think what you're really dealing with is the, you know, the rapid buildup of, of activity from, just off-season training mode and everybody kind of in a holding pattern not wanting to get too keyed up if the season wasn't going to start until May to, you know, you basically did three weeks. You went from zero to 60 in three weeks of guys are doing, you know, you know playing high-intensity games and not maybe giving the individual attention to what everyone's fitness plan is that you'd want to over the course of a normal spring training. Yeah, and it looks like I think we're going to see this all around the league. I, I really do. I think that there's going to be trouble with this, and guys are going to end up with some nagging injuries. How weird has it been for the players since you're there? You're talking with these guys. This last these last starts to the three seasons. How off routine are all these guys at this point? We haven't seen a normal season since 2019. Essentially, I feel I feel like there's always been something when we're looking at down seasons. Um, that we can look back and say, like, this is a byproduct of the circumstance. You know, whether, you know, obviously with the 60-game the season, 
Um, and obviously last year, I think basically the story of why the 2020 White Sox got eliminated is that rotation wore down in the second half uh, when they hit a significantly higher inning clip than they had worked the season before. As diligent as a lot of those guys were, you know, Lance Lynn kind of threw, uh, you know, bullpens all throughout the lockout to kind of stay ready for it. But it's just still just not the same of a full season of games. And you kind of saw them bear the cost of that. Now, it seems like now with, you know, possibly by the end, so it started tomorrow, eight or nine guys on the White Sox IL in the first week, you're seeing that more front-loaded of the the lack of ramp-up is really going to affect and define a lot of the first half of their season. And I think it's really about just knowing how strong the roster is overall, especially with the offense. Looks like it's just going to bash, even when it's a man or two down. It has that kind of depth, you know, provided they don't have to trade away from it for pitching at some point. Um, it's about kind of treading water as much as they can, and especially with expanded playoffs, to put themselves in a position to close strongly uh, when they are full strength and maybe when the rotation looks a little bit better with a, you know, a surgically repaired Lance Lynn's knee out there. And that's how you end up with Vincent Velasquez starting today's game and Dallas Keuchel starting the next game and TBD starting the game after that, though I suspect it'll be Dylan Cease who starts that game. They want Reynaldo Lopez to stay in the bullpen, at least for now. We're going to talk some Bulls. The Bulls have an opponent. It's the one that no one wanted. It's the Milwaukee Bucks. Going to talk with Cody Westerland about that next here on The Score. Lawrence Holmes, noon to two, on Sports Radio 670 The Score. And 670thescore.com. In Odyssey Station. 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 The things that we have to do is we have to handle the difficulties, challenges, and adversity that comes with that. And we have to maintain a high level of competitive fight. You know, they're they're champions for a reason. They're battle-tested. They've, they've been through this. Um, and, I mean, we will have to play very, very good basketball on both ends of the floor. There's no question. We've got to generate good shots. Um, you know, we've got to be able to, uh, uh, you know, play downhill. we got to make good decisions when we get downhill because of their size. Billy Donovan talking about matching up against the Bucks. The play-in game starts tonight. The Bulls avoided the play-in. They are in the playoffs, but they are in the playoffs against the Milwaukee Bucks, defending champions in the NBA and probably the worst matchup for them. Our guy Cody Westerland does a great job of covering the Bulls for us. He joins me now on the Circuit Resort and Casino Hotline. Circuit Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Cody, what was your first thought when you saw the Bulls were going to be matched up with Milwaukee? Probably the word nightmare. I know you were taking, uh, I think, one-word answers yesterday about the matchup, and that's the one that popped up into my head. This is a Bucks team that has won 16 of the last 17 games against the Bulls uh, that mattered in the regular season. The one win came when the Bucks rested all their starters toward the end, uh, very end of last year. So when Giannis plays... When Drew Holiday plays, when Chris Middleton's out there, uh, this is a team that's just dominated the Bulls. And part of the reason, too, is the Bucks got it done this year with their offense for the most part in the regular season. Last year, it was their defense that, that was so sensational. It's just a team that not only do they have the MVP and championship pedigree, but they can win in a lot of different ways against teams. Yes, they can. And that's been problematic for the Bulls because, you know, they're able to kind of beat them at different things, whether it's Giannis on the inside or Middleton hitting from outside or Drew Holiday, 
that they're they're a a problematic matchup for the Bulls. So if we're trying to figure out ways for the Bulls to, I I guess even win a game in this series, how would they go about doing it? I think it would come back to turnovers and winning the turnover battle because that naturally lends itself to the Bulls getting out in transition, and we saw it so much early in the year when Lonzo Ball and Alex Caruso were fully healthy. Now, obviously, Lonzo's out for the rest of the year. Uh, Caruso's dealing with the ailing back but should be ready, good to go for Game 1 of the playoffs, at least as good to go as he can be while dealing with the back ailment. But if the Bulls can somehow have that margin where they can force like 15 bucks turnovers, get out in transition, get a few easier buckets, um, whether it's Io, whether it's Zach Levine, those are usually the guys you see flying to the rim, Javante Green, then they don't have to get in the half-court setting as much where I expect the Bu- or the Bucks to ramp up their defense uh, a little bit more than the regular season. So like it, you want to go out and say, like, oh, can the Bulls hold Giannis to like 25 points on 10 of 24 shooting? Like That's probably a pipe dream, probably not going to happen. So I think maybe the best way would be winning that turnover battle, having a few extra possessions and a few extra buckets would be the best path to victory for the Bulls in my mind. There's a lot of time between them playing their final game where they were actually playing their starters versus the first game that they play against the Bucks. In the, t- in the week that they have to prepare, is there anything that you think the Bulls had been lacking in the last few weeks of the season that they can work to correct in practices? Well, it's got to be defensive coverages, the communication of the defensive coverages in real time, too. Like, Billy Donovan took the uh, took most of the blame after the debacle against the Hornets at the United Center on Friday night, where the Hornets hung up, I think, 79 points in the first half, and it was a layup line in that first quarter, first quarter and a half. He took the blame and said, you know, what, what I'm applying at shoot-around isn't getting through to them, but to me, that's only half the battle, even if we take him at, at his face value and word. And he could have been covering for his players a bit. But these Bulls don't react in real time well enough communicating on defense. So anything they can do to replicate that, and Billy has said it sounds like they'll scrimmage at least once, maybe twice uh, in this down week for them as they have practices. Obviously, I would, wouldn't expect them to be doing that Saturday before game one on Sunday or anything. But here in the middle of the week, maybe the Bulls can replicate some of that in practice because the Bulls, I guess if you're looking for a little bit of the half-glass-full thing about how much of a disaster their defense has been, like some of it should be theoretically easily correctable, right? Like keeping Giannis out of the lane isn't easily correctable, but making sure you switch when you need to switch or stay on your guy when you need to stay on your guy and not allow wide-open layups is something that can be uh, scaled back or or just rectified more quickly, I think. Um, And then you can focus on how do you slow guys down when you have some nightmare matchups. When it comes to what we saw on Sunday, what do you think is real from the performance of Patrick Williams that can be something to build off of? You know, I mean, the 35 points is what's going to jump out anytime someone throws up a career high. But I really liked his ball handling against the Timberwolves and how he operated in tight space with the ball and got some of those shots off, right? Like, I think we saw more of that than we had ever seen before. And obviously, he's a little aggressive in summer league last summer against poor competition, and the Wolves did not play all their starters, though uh, a few more than the Bulls on Sunday. But 
P-Will operated pretty well in space off the bounce. We know he likes that left hand a lot when he's dribbling to the hoop. But he kind of weaved his way through. I think he had five turnovers, but most of those were bad passes and bad decisions. It wasn't like the ball was getting poked away. It wasn't like he was dribbling it off people's feet. Like He got to his spots that put himself in a good position to finish and then showcased a lot of that finishing ability. Again, not taking away hardly anything from the game, big picture. I would love to see him do some of that against the Bucks in the playoffs, and I think it would be meaningful. So, so I'm not overreacting and acting like this has meaning. But if you're asking me what stood out, it, it really wasn't the point so much as I thought it was cool that he seemed to be comfortable with the ball in tight spaces and, and get to where he needed to be. Dan and I were talking about this in transition, and since you cover the team every day, it's, you're a good person to pose this question to. What are the sacrifices that a player like Patrick Williams or Io has to make offensively considering how ball-dominant DeMar and Zach and sometimes Vooch are? Well, you don't get a chance to highlight some of those skills, right? Like when you look at Io, what stood out to him is when he's gotten the ball in transition and it's all instinct. Like you don't think, oh, do I need to get the ball to Zach or DeMar? You just go, I either have an open lane to the basket or there's someone flanked out to my left or right, and it's the right pass if I'm drawing uh, the defender in a two-on-one. And then you look at Io as well. Some of uh, his best play of the season when he flourished came when he was the point guard with Lonzo out and Zach was out with the knee too, and he just didn't have to get the ball shared to quite as many people, right? It was more DeMar and Vooch than the ball in Io's hand. So I think the sacrifice is... Those guys don't get to play as naturally as they have in their whole basketball careers when they come in and they're number five in the offensive pecking order, for better or worse. And you can say maybe Patrick Williams should have had a bigger role when he's been healthy at times, obviously missed most of the season with the wrist injury, but that's just the way it is when you're that young and you have established scores like that and you're not the highest paid guy, all of that stuff. So I think it's been a real uphill battle for them to find a new natural that really doesn't come naturally all the time. And maybe what we saw against the Timberwolves was uh, uh, over the top for Patrick Williams because I don't expect him to be scoring 35 points very often, even next season, even if Zach and DeMar rest here and there. But maybe it's a little closer to, to how he would like to play on offense. And he got the ball in flow a little bit more, whether the offense was starting with him or he's kind of coming off a screen on the wing, anything to get him a little bit of space, uh, pick and rolls here and there. He just doesn't do much of that in the half-court setting on a daily basis when everyone's healthy. He's mainly the guy that stands in the corner and is expected to cut to the hoop, but those are more isolated cuts than they are sets or something focused on getting him the ball. Cody, you and I both love Drew Holiday, and obviously we talked about Giannis and Middleton. What's the difference that Brooke Lopez makes for this Milwaukee team? Well, he can stretch the floor when he's shooting well. Injuries have, have derailed him at times, but when he has that rhythm, he can stretch the floor. We saw him get behind the Bulls' defense time and time again in the latest game um, between these teams. I think he scored 28 points. But size still matters in the playoffs, and Brooke Lopez has a lot of it. He's a very large human being. It's very, very hard to score on the Bucks at the rim. Um, when they pack that defense in with Lopez and Giannis. And, I mean, they can they have flexibility there too, right? Like Giannis can play your, your best player or he can act as the weak side defender and just wreak havoc. And Lopez allows him to do that and always have a really good shot blocker 
or rim protector, if not blocking shots, around the basket. And that's, again, something that just makes life so difficult. The Bucks are going to be okay with another team trying to beat them from three-point range. We know that's not what the Bulls do at a high-volume clip. That's just another reason why this is such a tough matchup for the Bulls. Uh, we're going to probably, I'm sure, see a lot of mid-range isolation from DeMar DeRozan, and that's probably not going to be converted a clip high enough to to stay up and keep up with the champs. But Lopez just makes that defense such such a rock-solid basis and foundation on that back end and takes some of the pressure off Giannis on the defensive end, I think. Cody, as always, I appreciate it. I look forward to talking with you next week after we have a couple of games under our belt. Yep, take care. That is Cody Westerlin. He covers the Bulls for us here. A couple of White Sox notes it's official Lucas Giolito and A.J. Pollock have been placed on the 10-day injured list. With Giolito, it's retroactive to April 9th. With Pollock, it's retroactive to April 10th. Jimmy Lambert has been called up from AAA, and Anderson Servino also has been called up. So you got two more arms for the White Sox for this series against Seattle. We will talk with Russ Dorsey. We're going to go to 35th and Shields, talk White Sox and baseball overall next here on The Score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.